Who is Dr. John Butler? Part 2. If you have followed the post on the transforming therapy hypnosis approach, the post on the courses, the other interviews with Dr. John Butler, you may have come to wonder who Dr. John Butler is. Who is this person who has such an extensive knowledge in hypnosis? And that is exactly the question that we are going to tackle in these two interviews of Who is Dr. John Butler? My name is Axel Hombach. I'm the head and leading hypnotist and coach of the Hypnosezentrum Köln. I'm currently online with Dr. John Butler of the HTI, which is the Hypnotherapy Training International, the leading school in hypnotherapy and hypnosis worldwide. The HTI was originally founded by Gil Boyne, of who he is the successor. Gil Boyne himself was one of the most influential figures in modern hypnotherapy and modern hypnosis. And... John Butler carries on his legacy. John Butler was one of my hypnosis teachers and I consider him one of the best, if not the best teacher in hypnosis that I've ever had. And not only in hypnosis, I consider him one of the best teachers I've ever had, generally speaking. He's currently sitting not next to me, he's sitting in London. And so, please Let's welcome in and say hello to John. John, hello. Hello, Axel. So, as we talked prior to this recording, this is about you. It's about your background in hypnosis, how you came to hypnosis, um, what your early experiences were, who you trained with, who you met, not only in hypnosis, but also in psychology and psychotherapy, and how that influenced your work. So, starting with that, um, you were very young, as I recall, when you first started with hypnosis, when you had your first interest in hypnosis. And um, perhaps you could start telling a little bit about how you got involved with hypnosis. Well, that's a very long story, Axel. Okay, make it short. I'll make it as short as I can, indeed. Well, when I was very young, I, I somehow always had a, a, a strong feeling that there, was a, there were a lot of potentials in the human mind that weren't being uh, used. Uh, so that part of my interest was in exploring the, the mind, the person at the very deepest of levels. Uh, I was brought up with, of course, with a very straight view of religion uh, that you know told people what to think about life but I was quite independent and rebellious as well and in my teenage years I became interested in many many uh, systems and philosophies and I developed an interest in the Eastern tradition of philosophy and psychology and looked at all kinds of uh, religious systems of East and West looking for answers and to discover more about the mind and I studied yoga. I got involved with different... Um, in my teens, I was very involved with meditation systems. I was interested in martial arts as well. And of course, there is a part of that, uh, of those systems that involves using the mind in specific ways. 
through concentration, through stilling the mind, through different kinds of meditation. So all of that was part of my interest and I went to listen in my teenage years to different gurus and yogis and I discovered a lot of dross of course but I also found things that were very interesting and in midst all of that there was a very strong interest in hypnosis because of the unusual things that hypnosis seemed to do could make happen within the individual being able to control pain being able to influence physiological functions in the body and also the changes in behavior would sometimes create that people who are maybe very inhibited in a hypnotic state or trance or whatever one wants to call it after a hypnotic procedure they could become very different kinds of people so that got me interested in uh, using hypnosis at a, a deeper level as I could, I could manage. And I trained with several people over the years. I had elements of training from people who are policemen, people who are doctors who dabbled in it or who knew a certain amount at least but were not what I would say formally trained. And there was very little in the way of formal training courses back then. I did find one or two courses that went over about 100 hours, 120 hours and while I was studying practical psychology, not just academic psychology, I studied certain systems of psychotherapy which all fed into my knowledge of the use of hypnosis in therapy. I was fortunate to find Gil Boyne's work and through discovering his work I became very acquainted with Gil himself and did a very in-depth training with Gil, analyzed his work in great detail which was of great interest to him. So he had me, invited me to teach with him and so over many years we taught many classes together, occasionally more basic courses but more often master classes in different cities in America and in several parts of the world. So that was a very important part of my training in hypnotherapy. You've learned several different methods of psychotherapy too. And you are also, you hold a degree, not a degree, a certificate from the European Association of Psychotherapy. How did you get involved in this kind of psychotherapy? The EAP is not anybody in the world it's a very specialized organization yes well i i trained in several forms of psychotherapy one of my trains was in autogenic psychotherapy um, i trained with other schools of psychotherapy as well more of the integrative model although i had a lot of psychotherapy uh, training that was in the old-fashioned psychodynamic or psychoanalytical model and i had a lot of therapy which is the, was a major part of the training so I was well versed and immersed in psychotherapy as well. Out of that training I was able to register with some of the regulatory bodies, uh, the UK Council for Psychotherapy in the UK and you just mentioned that one then, the European Association for Psychotherapy and that's where that certification comes from. I'm still a member of that body. 
so when when did you hear the first time of Gilboin? Was it by accident or did someone tell you about him or how did you discover him? Well, as I remember it, I came across an old poorly duplicated video cassette back in the late 80s. And I looked at this person doing therapy and I was very pleasantly surprised at the quality of the work. I found the work, his work to be very powerful. His concepts were clear. It was very client-oriented and dealt directly with the subconscious material. And I felt this is a very effective way of using hypnotherapy. I'd already trained in several schools of hypnotherapy. And some of the emphasis was very Ericksonian, which I felt has its place, and other forms of hypnotherapy. Uh, some with an old-fashioned psychoanalytic basis to it. And through Gil, I came across the work of Dave Ellman, who had been a strong influence on Gil Boyne himself. But Gil had training with many famous psychotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists, and he brought that into his work as well. So he had extensive training and a vast amount of knowledge. He wasn't focused on the academic way of thinking because in his life he hadn't had the opportunity, despite winning scholarships to universities, he hadn't the opportunity to take up those possibilities. He was uh, self-taught. He had a great range of knowledge of academic theory and he had the gift of being able to extract what was useful and strip away things that were more theoretically speculative and including sometimes the verbiage, the unnecessary verbiage that sometimes goes with intellectual speculation. So Gill had done a lot of work himself on trying to understand what hypnosis actually is. And above all else, he'd been a clinical practitioner of many years by the time I met him. And that skill and experience and knowledge all showed, and to me it was impressive. So I chose him as one of my main teachers, I would say my primary teacher in hypnotherapy. And through him, of course, I've got to know a great deal about the history of hypnotherapy because Gill was, well, he was an encyclopedia of knowledge, not only about hypnotherapy uh, and psychological therapies generally, but Gill had a personal knowledge of some of the most famous hypnotherapists in the United States over the years. And it was quite fascinating to hear him talking about his experiences with them, either as a client in therapy or in his communications with them over the years. So that was one major part of my training in hypnotherapy, my work with Gil Boyne. I remember you telling me that you analyzed his work and that impressed Gil. So he asked you to teach with him and that yes. was your start. Yes, it, it was a funny matter how that occurred because although I still had known me then for some years and uh, we'd been become good friends uh, over a quite a period of time, it was at a conference, if I remember, that he heard a recording had been made of me teaching a class on advanced analytical hypnotherapy. And as part of the course that I was giving, I analyzed one of his case studies, which had been filmed. And I had produced a, a handout to go with the 
teaching that I gave on this case study. And Gil happened to get hold of the recording and the uh, transcript, the, the document that I produced, and he was immediately impressed, rang me up and said, oh, I think you understand more about my work than I do. And he said, I'd like you to come and teach with me when I give master classes. I think it'll add an extra important dimension to my teaching of my work in hypnotherapy. Basically, Gil did a lot of his teaching from his many case studies he'd filmed over the years, interspersed with lectures and demonstrations, but those training videos of his case studies are still remarkable by today's, by any standards. And uh, I did, I over the years made an analysis, a detailed analysis of many of those classic case studies. So that was how you started teaching with Gil Boyne. Yes. For how long did you teach with him? Oh, all told, it was about 10 years, the last 10 years that we traveled and taught together in many cities in America and in the UK and in other countries as well. Gil was into his early 70s by then, but very active in his teaching. And as I say, we taught together over that decade. How old were you then when you met him? Oh, well, when I first met him, oh, I would have been in my uh, late 30s. But the time when I began teaching with him was quite a bit older, I would say probably about late 40s. So you have a lot of extensive knowledge about transforming therapy, probably now that you taught with him for over 10 years, you're probably the most knowledgeable person there is currently on earth on transforming therapy. Well, thank you, Axel. Uh, I certainly have been keeping transforming therapy out there in the public in the way Gil wanted it, out in the public perspective in mind. And really, he licensed me to teach his work and encouraged me to take it and develop it. And we keep evolving in our work, developing the systems further. And um, transforming therapy is the brand label, if you like, for the form of analytical hypnotherapy that we teach to our students and practice in our clinical work. And it does take, in my view, hypnotherapy to a very high level of effectiveness and takes it way beyond programming with simple scripts. Uh, there's a lot of programming of an advanced level in analytical hypnotherapy, but also learning to uncover and analyze material from the past that has become problematic at a subconscious level and that cannot be changed sufficiently by purely intellectual, rational, or even so-called cognitive levels of operation of the mind. So analytical hypnotherapy, and specifically transforming therapy, is really a, kind of our trademark at this point. And you're holding up the flag and uh, develop it further. Yes, indeed. So as I understood, you are not only trained in analytical hypnotherapy or transforming therapy, but you also have a background in Ericksonian hypnotherapy. Well, Ericksonian hypnotherapy is quite a strange concept to deal with because Erickson didn't believe himself that there was such a thing, although we used the label to describe an approach, which is really an approach that is saying, be creative, Uh, work with what the client gives you and don't try and impose your own theories and outcomes 
the outcomes you might have for the client and let them make the journey and you work very flexibly with them. Now, it's sometimes interpreted that you only work with metaphors and indirect suggestions, and I think that's very much trivializing his work. He was very inventive. He could be very direct and very indirect. And of course, he worked with a very difficult clients a lot of the time, patients who were mentally disturbed. So one can understand that some of the methodology he used wasn't always as necessary for the general population of clients that most therapists would come to uh, to see. So I think sometimes Erickson's work gets distorted by people taking a very rigid view of just looking at what Erickson was doing, forming their own theories, and then calling that their model of it. They're calling that that's Ericksonian. I feel over the years, I had the good fortune to train with people who knew Erickson well, who had trained with him, and I learned a lot of important things from them which feed into the work that we do. But I would not ever train people in Ericksonian hypnotherapy because I feel at this point it's almost misleading as such and it doesn't really fit with Erickson's view himself of his work. I think he would describe himself as a hypnotherapist who was creative and he would want people to learn hypnosis in the most creative and the least dogmatic and flexible manner which was how it was often taught in the past, in a very simplistic painting by numbers approach. So Erickson was very creative and inventive in that way, and we can learn a lot from that. And as he would say, be your own therapist, be it a Humbachian therapist or a Butlerian therapist, not an Ericksonian, he would say. And something else, you have had several appearances in documentaries And one of them shows you where you undergo a heinous surgery and you put yourself into self-hypnosis, into kind of a painless mode in hypnosis while the surgeons work on you. So you are very specialized in hypnoanesthetics and pain management, isn't that the case? Yes, Axel, over the years in the UK, I've been one of the people promoting hypnosis in this application uh, very actively. So in the modern era, I'm one of several people, uh, modern day pioneers, if you want to call it that, emphasizing the value of hypnosis for pain management. In both surgical, chronic pain and surgeries, we see a great deal of value of hypnosis, not only for the pain management, uh, but to help people deal with the invasive effects of surgery, the post-operative complications, the stress, anxieties, the stress on the mind and body, and then we give them much better recovery and healing. We need more research, of course, to justify some of the, the statements we make. That's if we put it out as a hard and fast finding, we would need more research on it. But what we can definitely say at the moment, all of our observations, clinically careful observations, show People benefit greatly from using hypnosis in surgery and in, with many difficult medical procedures. In fact, across a wide range of medical applications. But the pain control is one of the most wonderful things to see that the human being has the power to undergo not only more minor surgeries, but very, very severe surgeries. And that within us, we have the power to control that pain so that it is no longer pain. It is simply 
experienced as just the activity of the surgeon working. And we can know that they're working and not feel discomfort and pain and at the same time being then very relaxed and coming through that surgery in a way that's so different than if you have to be given chemicals and sedated and coming out of that then feeling an awful lot of discomfort afterwards. Now we don't say it's there to replace anesthetics because they are a great benefit to humanity compared to the days before chemical anesthesia. However, we should recognize there are still limitations and potential complications with chemical anesthesia, particularly for elderly and weaker people. And certainly hypnosis could help them with a combination of hypnosis and chemical anesthesia. And that is a very practical and non-stressful thing for both the patient and the surgeon to contemplate. And in those cases where there is an unusual need to avoid the ordinary chemoanesthetics, we have that wonderful option that with some proper training, a person can undergo surgery without chemical anesthesia. Talking about uh, some proper training, I assume that you give also specialized classes in pain management for the general hypnotic practitioner as well as more specialized courses for medical practitioners. Yes, we do include in our medical hypnotherapy courses quite a component devoted to uh, hypnoanesthesia, as we call it. Now, we also run courses for surgeons and anesthetists on an irregular basis and also for dentists that they can learn to use it in their clinical applications. And that's something we've done with marvelous results. We've seen several of my students work and have painless dentistry, even quite severe dentistry, and also to help them with severe surgical procedures. And all in all, I believe that we are the organization, the training school in the UK that really makes that a major part, a kind of a signature part of our medical hypnotherapy training, the powerful use of hypnosis for anesthesia. With that, you have how many years of experience now that in the year 2016, it's about 40 years of practical experience in hypnosis, isn't it? Yes, well, I date my first professional clinical use of hypnosis to 1980. Prior to that, around about a, 10 years before that, I'd used it in several settings, not always calling it hypnosis. Sometimes we would call it guided imagery, visualization combined with meditation. And of course, the name hypnosis is very much a Western name given to the experience of hypnosis. I'd used it for quite a long time before that. However, 1980, that's now 36 years of clinical. clinical practice. Yes, and from 1990 was when I first, having had about 10 years of good, sufficient clinical practice, I felt ready to teach people from the basis of knowledge and experience, not just from book learning and minimal clinical experience. Thank you very much, John. Before we come to an end, are there some last words for today that you would like to share with our watchers and listeners? Well, Axel, I hope anybody out there who is not already a hypnotherapist will feel interested and compelled to look further into this very important topic to really understand its great value and to use it for themselves in their lives and for people who are also 
interested in learning more about it, who already have training in it, that they can contact us and find out more about how they can take their skills to the very highest levels. Well, and having trained with you, I can highly recommend your classes. Thank you very much, Axel. You're most welcome. Thank you again, John, and bye for now. Thank you. Goodbye.